This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Genesis chapter 32 and we're in verse nine. Jacob has heard that his brother Esau is coming to get him. And uh, if you're not from the South, that is how we'd say it. He's coming to get him. And that is uh, what's happening, or that's what he perceives to be happening. And the truth is that when we're dealing with the things of this world, the things that we're going through each and every day, we view them through a very specific lens, and it's our lens. And uh, I don't know if you know it or not, but let me provide you some knowledge and information this morning. The lens that you view the world through is marred and imperfect, and it does not see reality. Reality is the way God views the world, because God is true and just and right, and he knows how things actually are. And so your view of the world and his view of the world often, oftentimes can be uh, can be vastly different than each other. And that means that your view of the world is not reality. That being said, you need to see the world from his perspective. That's what wisdom actually is. It's the beginning of, beginning of it is the fear of the Lord or the realization that God's over everything and he's in charge. And that is the beginning of it. So what you realize is that God's perspective, it's right and I'm not right. Now, that what the way you feel about things, your feelings, and by the way, your feelings can't lie to you, is important because God does care about your emotions. But what God wants you to do is he wants you to use your emotions and your intellect to perceive the world properly from his perspective. I need to say that probably one more time. He wants you to use your emotions and your intellect to perceive the world from his perspective or from the proper perspective so that your emotions are being used and your passions are being used properly and powerfully for your best and for his kingdom and that your intellect might understand and know and walk in wisdom and walk in understanding. And that is how God wants it to be. And so when you're in a situation that seems like it's well, in opposition to something God has said, or maybe it feels like it's not working out the way you perceive that God was working, which will happen. It happens all the time. That happens all the time in life. You're going to be in situations where while you're dealing with God, you're going to perceive that God has this plan for you. Then you're going to begin in that plan and you're going to realize that things aren't working out the way you perceive them to be. And then when things aren't working out the way you perceive them to be, you're going to get distraught and get just lose your mind sometimes about it. And you become so discouraged and down in the dumps about it. But the truth is that doesn't mean that God, that doesn't mean that God's not at work. And that doesn't mean that you didn't hear God correctly. You're just perceiving the situation 
in a way that God didn't perceive it when he told you what he told you to do. And so your understanding of what God's purpose in your actions or your steps of faith, and that's important, you're acting based off of trusting God, that's steps of faith, and you've heard him, you're acting, and the way you thought it was going to work out isn't going to work out that way. And the plans of man are that way anyway. That's the way we are. We make plans and then they don't work out. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but that seems to be the way things go all the time, all the time. Even the most smart and the most thought out people, they just make plans and they mess them up. Or the plans don't work out the way they thought they were because they didn't know something. Or they didn't know a lot of things. Or they didn't understand a lot of things. Or things didn't go the way they perceived just because God wasn't going to have it be that way. And that's what's going on with Jacob here. He's, he, know God, he knows God told him to go back to his homeland and take his family with him. And he's going back. And so he just assumed that Esau would be good to go and that he would just accept him and love him as his brother. And now he hears word that Esau's coming with 400 men. And his understanding of what was going to happen has been changed by some in, insight or knowledge that he's gotten. Now, has it been changed? He doesn't know that, but what is indicated in the world around him, what he's perceiving and hearing is in opposition to how he thought it was going to work out. I'm sure he thought it was going to be one of the Hallmark movie love stories. And by the way, my wife loves Christmas Hallmark movies. It's a time of year, again, where we watch those Christmas Hallmark movies. And they're all the same. A couple meets, they don't really like each other, or there is some attraction there, but they don't want to mention it. Uh, they begin to grow closer and closer together. Something terrible happens, and that splits them up. And then there's a Christmas miracle, and it can be actual miracle, or it can be something that actually happens in the physical. It doesn't matter. It's all a Mark movie, and they're all beautiful people. And then that Christmas miracle brings them back together, and the problem's fixed, and they love each other forever and ever. And that that's about a two-hour movie, maybe more like an hour, 30, hour, 45 minutes. And it's every one of them, and it's the way it works. Every time, if you're watching a Hallmark Christmas movie, that's, that is the plot. That is really, seriously, that's the plot of every one of those movies. That being said, that's not how life works, okay? It's beautiful, and we love it at Christmas time. And I would never take my wife's Hallmark movies away from her at Christmas time because that's one of her Christmas experiences. But for the world, that's not how things work. I don't know if y'all know it or not, but never, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And it didn't work that way for Jacob. It says in verse 9 that then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, the God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family, and I will deal with you. Now, the first thing we're noticing here is he's going to God. That's a good start. There we go. That's a good start. Love the start. Yes, we're going to give him a little golf clap right there. That's what you do. There's not. That's exactly, that's the fundamentals of the faith. Things aren't going or working out the way you perceive them to go or work out. What do you do? What do you do? Go to God. Deal with God. God's the one who is in charge of everything. He's the author of everything. We're not going to him. We're not going to him irreverently. We're just going to him saying, what's up, God? I don't understand what's going on. And you go, can you question God? Absolutely you can. That's what this whole scripture is about. It, let's just be real about it, right? That's what, that is what, that's what's going on all the time. God is all the time in every possible way in scripture. He's allowing his people. He's allowing the people that are called by his name. 
he's allowing them to to seek him out, to go and find him, to to search him and to know him. And there is absolutely there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me, but you got to seek me with your whole heart. How do I seek God? This is not this is not a hide and go seek. This is me seeking him with my heart by inquiring of him, asking him. Now, he has the right to, like he did with the, with Job, tell him to sit down and listen up that he's God. He's got that right to do with us, and it, by the way, he does that. But we have the right to go inquire of him, and that's what Jacob does. He says, listen, you're the God of my father Abraham, my father Isaac. You're the Lord who said to me, return to the country, to your family, and I will deal with you. I'll deal well with you. He's saying, you told me it's going to work out. And it is. He just doesn't perceive it to be working out in the moment. Wow. Now, how many times have we been in that situation? He says in verse 10, I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. He, boy, he is in the right spot, isn't he? He says, I'm not worthy of you even revealing your will to me. I'm not worthy of you giving me your understanding. I'm not worthy of your mercies and your grace. I'm not worthy of any of that. And he's not. He isn't. You aren't either. He isn't worthy of that. But that being said, he's getting it. He's get, he's getting that mercy. He's getting that truth. He's getting that grace. And understanding that you're not worthy of it is a powerful position to be in. It is, it's a wonderful position to be in because that's the most usable position. Humbly before God, accepting him as God in his proper position as sovereign of the universe and telling him you don't deserve anything, but you're asking for what he wants so much to provide for you, and that is mercy and grace and truth and life. That's what he wants to provide for you, and you being in a position where you are right there in the middle of it, receiving that is exactly where God wants you to be. And that, and boy, we see right here Jacob maturing. He is he's become a he's becoming a mature believer. That's what he is, and it's going to be powerful. He says, "You." He says, "For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies." What he's saying is, I'm telling you, Lord, what my situation is. Now, I know you know what it is, but I got to talk to you about it. So I got to tell you. And that's one of the things that's really cool about God. You can tell God what he already knows. By the way, everything you tell God is what he already knows. So if we couldn't tell God what he already knows, then we couldn't talk to him. Well, and that's just quite unscriptural, I think. He wants us to talk to him. He wants us to deal with him. And so he wants us to tell him what he already knows. You're going over what he already knows so that you can understand it from the way he knows. You get that? You can, you're going over what he already knows so that you can understand it from the way he knows it. And that's what it's all about. He says, deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother. From the hand of Esau, for I, he, I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. What he's saying is, I'm in fear. I perceive that things are not going the way I thought they were going to go. And I'm in fear for that. I'm in great fear. I love that he tells God he's afraid, that he tells God that he's in fear. Because when we tell God that we're in fear, when we tell God that we're in a struggle or we're in troubles, when we tell the God that, we open ourselves up to be true to God. We're being real with him. And reality is a beautiful place to be, isn't it? It's a wonderful place to be with God because that's when life change happens. That's where the power flows in. 
And he says, deliver me, I pray, from the, land, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me. And he attacked my family, is what he's saying. For you said, notice, and he's calling out God, saying, God, you said this. And he's saying, I believed it. And let me tell you something. There is no more powerful place for a believer to be than in front of God, calling God's word out to him in expectation of God fulfilling that word. That is the essence of faith. That's the essence of faith. We don't have a forlorn hope. We have an actual hope based off an actual truth given to us by an actual God through his actual word. And that word is the full revelation of God, Jesus Christ. And so when we are studying God's word and God gives us a promise or a truth, and he actually says something to us in his word, and we expect that be true, there is nothing more honoring to God than for his people to believe what he has said and to trust him in it and expect it from him. And for Jacob to do this, that is the most powerful position he can be in. He said, God, you said this. I believe it. And now I'm before you in the anxious expectation of you fulfilling your word. Wow, I love this. This is there's nothing this is a great story of a man who was just intensely flawed, a man who was flawed in every possible way. He's now being matured and grown because he's learned how to trust what God has to say. He says, For you said, I'll surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. What he's saying is, You said I wouldn't die. And so I'm here telling you that I'm in fear for my life. And that's in opposition to what you said. And so my fear is telling me one thing and my faith is telling me another, which shall I believe? <laughs> there, there really is not a better position to be in life. When you come to God with what isn't and you speak to God, what he clearly said is in his word and he comforts you and he gives you strength and he opens your eyes and allows you to see that his word is true and everything else is a lie. And that's exactly what happens here. That there's, it is exactly what is going on here. He said, he says, so he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand at present for Esau, his brother, 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams. 30 milk camels and their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. These are the things he's brought as a gift to his brother Esau. See, he's coming, he's coming not for war, but for peace. And he has, he's put a, put, put feet to his faith. He's coming and giving to his brother a peace offering. And notice all this peace offering is all atonement offering. It's not bread sacrifices, which is a fellowship offering. These are atonement offerings. Every one of them is an animal. Every one of them would have been used in sacrifice. And they all, every one of them, are an atoning sacrifice. And you can go through the numbers, and we could deal with that in great detail. But I'm not going to. Let me say this. Suffice to say, every one of these offerings that he's given right here is an offering of atonement. Because he knows that he did his brother wrong. He wronged, wronged his brother, and he wants to make amends for that. Now, can you always make amends for the things you've done wrong with your brother? 
The answer is no, you cannot. You cannot amend, amend, make amends for it. God can. God covers those things up. But you can't make amends for the, th- the wrongs you've done your brothers and your sisters. What you can do is you can, you can provide to them a sacrifice of love and a sacrifice of atonement and say, I was wrong, and provide to them some recompense for, what you've, for how you've wronged them. What do I mean by recompense? Meaning you give them something, you give them something of great value from yourself, and that can be physical and that can be spiritual. You give them something of great value from yourself and you say to them, you say to them, I'm wrong and I'm sorry. And you allow them, this is important, you allow them to work that out themselves because they've got to work the path of forgiveness for you. And listen, allowing somebody to work that path of forgiveness for you is a great gift you give other people. And especially when you've wronged them, allow them opportunity to forgive you because they have to walk their path and they've got to learn how to deal with God and walk in wisdom themselves. And so he says, then he delivered them to the hand of his servant, every every drove by itself and said to his servant, pass over before me and put some distance between me, between successive droves, meaning each herd, he's telling them to go out in front of him. So as Esau comes, he will see each and everything, each and every gift that that Jacob is giving him. This is a great way to do it. He continues to give. He continues to atone for. He continues to, to make supplication, make offering to his brother Esau because of the sin that he struggled with. He just gives and gives, and they're out there. And as Esau's coming in, he passes more and more gifts from his brother. And let me tell you something. Gifts of love, gifts of sacrifice, gifts of humility, the desire to... Uh, to say to yourself, I'm sorry, I was wrong, and I want to to make right the relationship. Continually giving of those gifts is the open door. It's the way in. And by the way, you also have to give your brother the right in, in his wickedness. And the truth is, in his flawed nature, because we struggle with our wickedness and our flawed nature, you got to give him the right to not be able to forgive you for a while. Look, that just takes it takes time. And so he's got these droves out there. Each one farther and farther out, and he's given his brother time to reach the place of forgiveness. And sometimes that's a long time. Sometimes it is. And sometimes your brother never can get to the maturity to forgive you. That happens too. And and sometimes sometimes he can't he can forgive you, but he can't let you in. And that happens also. He says, and he commanded the first one saying, When Esau my brother meets you and asks you, saying, To whom do you belong and where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, these are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my Lord Esau, and behold, he also is behind us. What he's saying is, he's coming, he's behind us, but these are his gifts. This is a great story of atonement. It's a great story of making things right with somebody whom you have wronged. And what a great way to do it. He just keeps giving important gifts, gifts of atonement for that. So he commanded the second and the third, and all who followed the drove, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him, and also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the presence that goes before me, and afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. Notice, he's trying to reach a place where him and his brother are back in right relationship, and that's the work that he's doing. 
And he understands that, notice, in these, even in these words, he understands that sometimes that doesn't work out the way he wants it to. He says, perhaps, not he must, he says, perhaps his brother will, forget, will accept him, will forgive him, will release him. If he does, if he doesn't, but I'm going to do what's necessary on my part, and I'm going to continue to do it. And he says, I'm sending these droves out, and you've got camels and cows and sheep and goats and donkeys, and they just keep going out there. And, and each gift is a different gift, and he just keeps giving and keeps giving. And so he says, so the present went, went on over before him, but he himself lodged that night in the camp, which means he's sending the gifts out before him, and he's waiting on the Lord. Now, these next verses, which you're going to deal with tomorrow, these next verses are verses and they're important verses for the future. And so what I'd like to say to you today is that these are this is a great word of the Lord. It's a great word of maturity because Jacob is figuring it out. He's figuring out how to trust God, and he's figuring out how to atone with others and fix his relationship with others. And I love this passage, and I really love the next passage where he deals with God directly, and God makes him into who he's supposed to be. And so tomorrow... We look forward to that. Look forward to spending more time in God's Word with you. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.